I would ask you if you uh, have your Bibles, please turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. If you didn't bring one, there's a uh, Bible in the pew rack in front of you. Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible, so it's right near the front if you don't know where it is. Uh, it's page uh, 191 in my Bible. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1, we're beginning a, a brand new series in the book of Joshua. We should be in it um, probably three or four months. Even though it was written oh, so many years ago, uh, probably 4,000 years ago or so, it was God's word inspired by the Holy Spirit to the one who wrote these words down so that they would be guided to be God's word. It was God's word to the people back then who needed to hear it. It's God's word to the people today who need to hear it on the other side of the world here in Gainesville, Texas. And so, as we read it, I would ask you, if you're able, please, to stand together with me out of honor and respect for God's Word. From Joshua chapter 1, we read, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of, Moses, or the son of Nun, Moses, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous, only careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua offered the officers of the people. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Rubites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the commands that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest. He has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your land, which, the, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of Jordan uh, toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. 
Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will, fully, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Let's follow the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I want you to uh, imagine with me just for a minute that when November comes, the, the voters of the United States are not able to come to a consensus on uh, who the president is to be. In fact, there's not a single vote cast anywhere for any of the major party uh, individuals who are running for president. Instead, what has happened as, is that in each state, individuals have gone about writing in a vote, putting a name in for who's going to be the president of the United States. And in each state, it's unanimous. Every state has voted for the same write-in individual, and that write-in individual is you. Now, you're the one who has to go to uh, Washington, D.C., and you are looked to as the one who will take over and take care of all of the mess that is Washington, D.C. right now. It's your responsibility to see that the budget is fixed. It's your responsibility to see that people have jobs. It's your responsibility to see that our national security is strong. And the list goes on and on. And finally, not the least of all the responsibilities, it is your responsibility to see that Republicans and Democrats get along with one another. Do you feel that this is a daunting task? Do you feel a little bit nervous about the job that you have been called to do? How would you feel about doing it? I believe if, you, if I were you and my name was called, I, I would be nervous. Now, I'm not sure that Joshua felt that way, but I'm thinking he probably did. I'm thinking he probably had some very similar feelings to what it would be for our feelings if we were called uh, Washington, D.C. to be president and fix all the mess that was there. Um, Joshua must have had some feelings of anxiety with what he was being called to do. And uh, as, we, as we read here in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Moses, the only leader that the people have ever had for over 40 years of their existence, their birth, uh, coming out of, out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And Moses is the only leader that they've ever had. He led them through the wilderness. When they became quite thirsty, they came to Moses and they saw him as God instructed him to take his staff and strike the rock and water flowed from it. And they were amazed. And when they're hungry, they come to Moses and complain about their being hungry and, and he goes to God and prays and, and all of a sudden this manna is coming down from heaven on the ground every morning for them to go and pick up. And when they get tired of the manna and they come to Moses and complain about that, then all of a sudden there's quail to go with the manna. And it's provided for them throughout their wilderness wanderings. 
Moses is the one who got the word from the Lord to bring all the people up to Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 20, they come to Mount Sinai and they hear from the Lord. They hear the word of the Lord speaking in in thundering terms and they are scared to death. You remember at the end of of God giving the law there in Exodus chapter 20? And they're so scared uh, that they come to Moses afterwards and say, Moses, please don't ever let him speak to us again. Instead, instead, you go and talk to him, and then you bring the word back to us. This is Moses. And finally, after a little while, when Moses and Joshua go up onto the mountain and they're receiving the Ten Commandments written on, uh, on uh, uh, stone tablets, they decide that they don't know where, what has happened to Moses. And so you remember they come to Aaron and they, they tell Aaron, we don't know what's happened to Moses. We want to see our God. Aaron, show us our God. And so you remember Aaron takes all their gold and forms it into this golden calf and they start dancing around the best worship service they'd ever been part of. They, were really, they got their worship on that day, didn't they? I mean, it was great. And, and Moses and, and Joshua hear it up on the mountain and they have to come down And God is not pleased. They are absolutely violating the second commandment that he's just given to them on Mount Sinai. Moses has the the golden calf ground into powder, puts it in their water and makes them drink it, remember? And then in, uh, in, in this passage in Exodus 32 through 34, God is so displeased with the people. Moses goes uh, back and speaks to the Lord about it and he says, These people are rebellious. They don't love me. They don't care for me. I tell you what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm just going to destroy every one of them, and I'm going to start over with you. But you remember what Moses did? He said, Lord, no, you you can't do that. You're faithful to your promise. Remember your promise to Abraham that you you repeated to Isaac and to Jacob and that Joseph uh, Joseph was so looking forward to that he told his people to to bring his bones when they left Egypt to, to go into the promised land. We've got his bones with us right now, Lord. What will all the other nations think if they see you're, you're not faithful? He is the one who interceded for the people and he said, if you're going to destroy them, then, to, then to destroy me too. This is Moses. He's the one who has been leading them through all of this time, the only leader that they have ever had and one who is mighty, one who speaks to God face to face. And now he's taken them throughout the, the wilderness for 40 years. And they've come right to the edge of the promised land. They're ready to go in. And what happens? Moses dies. Now Moses is dead. Not what we would think of as maybe the best timing because this this up to this point is the most important thing. Going into the land and taking possession of it. And God comes to Joshua and he says, You, you are the one who is to take these people into the land, to take possession of it, to take possession of their inheritance. Look with me in verse 3. He says, "Um, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. You're the one to lead these people. As I promised to Moses, now I am promising you. What a task. What a task. If I had had such a task, if you had had such a task, I dare say we would be shaking in our boots. I wonder if maybe Joshua wasn't shaking in his boots. 
Maybe the people were shaking in their boots because they surely thought Moses was going to be the one to, to take them over into the land, but he's not. And so in this passage, in the first chapter of Joshua, God encourages Joshua with at least three things. You see your outline in your bulletin. It was uh, loosely uh, borrowed from Dr. Ralph Davis, one of my professors in seminary. It's a, an outline that's loosely uh, borrowed from him. It's not exactly, but, it, but it's close. And so I want us to see these three things that God does for his people uh, to encourage them. And it's specifically for Joshua to encourage him as he's about to take on this tremendous challenge, uh, the most challenging time of the, in the history of the nation of Israel, the most challenging time in the life of Joshua. And so let's see what God does here to encourage them. The first thing uh, that he does, that he gives to them is the vitality of God's word. We see it in verses 1 through 4. Um, pick it up again in verse 2. Uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the uh, Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. As I promised Moses. Well, when did he promise Moses that they would get into the land? Well, we have to go back to God's call of Moses back in Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 10, God's come to Moses, you remember, in the burning bush. And he's telling Moses, go uh, to my people who are uh, uh, slaves in Egypt and, and go tell Pharaoh that he wants you to let them go and, and I'm going to bring them out. And um, uh, so the Lord says to Moses here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a land flowing with, uh, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, uh, and now the city of the Israelites, and the cry of Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Where are they going? They're going to this, this promised land, this, the promised land that's occupied right now with the Hittites, the Hivites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. That's the land we're going to. He promises Moses, I'm going to use you to take them there. Right? Well, in, as we see this promise, we're reminded when Moses is promised this, that the promise first came to Abraham in Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, the first seven verses, we see that the Lord is going to give them the land. Listen to verses 6 and 7. Abram uh, traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah to Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there uh, to the Lord. Uh, who had appeared to him. So God has promised this long time before Moses to Abraham. And then again in, in uh, Genesis uh, 15, Abraham's beginning to doubt just a little bit about maybe getting the land. 
And God does this amazing thing with him. He has him bring him these various animals that he cuts in half and places their their bodies uh, apart from one another. And then God appears as a smoking fire pot and burning torch and he comes down between the pieces of the animals. And that day God makes a covenant with Abraham a covenant which is assuring him of the promises that God has made. He says, I promise you that I'm going to give you this land. This land is going to be yours. And, um, and so in Exodus, excuse me, Genesis 15, 15, you, however, will go to your fathers in peace and you will be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And then he goes on, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, uh, the Kenizzites, uh, Cadmonites, Hittites, uh, Perizzites, uh, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. You see, it's promised way back to Abraham. And then the promise is restored and to Moses when in Moses' is called. And so now... The, the promise of God is reminded to Joshua. The promise that was promised so long ago, so many people might have think, thought, God, didn't you promise something? Didn't you promise? Why isn't it coming to pass? Why isn't it coming to pass? I mean, after all, Abraham was the first one given the promise. He died. The promise was re- re- renewed to Isaac. He died. And then to Jacob, and he died. And then Joseph dies. And now Moses has died. And as we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, all of these people who had received the promise died in faith, recognizing that God was going to fulfill his promise. They died and yet they hadn't yet, God hadn't yet fulfilled the promise to them. When God makes a promise to us, I want you to know you can believe that he will keep it. His timing might not always be our timing. God has made promises to us. He has made promises to us as believers about a great, rich inheritance that we're going to get to in a little bit. And I hope you'll you'll see it from God's Word. And we'll, we'll see it as we go throughout the book of Joshua that God has made covenant promises to those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And God's promises are always fulfilled. God's always is faithful to fulfill his promises. Uh, Listen to what Dr. Davis said about this. He said, Moses may die, God's promise lives on. There is the passing of an error, yet the endurance of the promise. Yahweh's fidelity does not hinge on the achievements of men. However gifted they may be, nor does it evaporate in the face of funerals or rivers. God's promise lives on. God's promise to the Old Testament people of a land and God's promise of a a rich inheritance to them and God's promise of a rich inheritance to those who are His children today lives on. And you can believe it. You can believe that God is faithful to His promises to us. Secondly, God encourages Joshua with the vitality of, of His promises Secondly, he encourages them with the presence, with his own presence. Uh, look with me in verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look with me in verse 9. 
Have I not uh, commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then once again in verse 17. Um, just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. As we go throughout the book of Joshua, we will see this theme re, uh, come up again and again. God is with his people. It should be an encouraging thing. It should be encouraging to Joshua. It should be encouraging to anyone uh, who is a believer in Christ. Um, when I was a, a child... Young child, younger than anyone in this room right now. Um, we lived in, in South Arkansas, out in the country. And we didn't have the night lights to, to shine the light. And I was the youngest in the family. And I recall the family in the living room sitting around the television, watching it, uh, one of the two channels we could get. And uh, my bedtime was earlier than everybody else's. And I had to walk down this long hall uh, to get to my bed to go to sleep. And in this long hall, there were these wood panels. And in these wood panels, it had like the little knots and the different things. And you could look at it and be like a cloud illusion sort of thing where you make things up with it. Well, those knots seemed to me to be monsters of sorts. And when I would have to, I would be the first one to go to bed. Parents would say, Daryl, it's time for bed. Go to bed. So I have to walk down that hall with thoughts of those monsters reaching from inside those wood panels to grab me and pull me in, never to be seen again. It was a scary thing. So I, can, I, I recall getting a running start and running down the hall and jumping into my bed and pulling the covers over me so that they wouldn't be able to get me. But occasionally, instead of just telling me to go to bed, Daddy would pick me up in his arms and he would carry me into my bed. And you know that when he was carrying me, when he was with me, those monsters in those wood panels, they knew their place. They knew better than to bother me when my dad was there, when my dad was present, because he was the strongest man in the world. <laughs> God encourages Moses when he calls him there at the burning bush he says, Moses, don't you worry about what I'm calling you to do because I'm going with you. Why did he tell Moses that? Because it would be a scary thing to go alone. There's monsters everywhere to reach out and grab you and pull you away, but it can't happen if God omnipotent is with you. Now God omnipotent reminds Joshua three times in this first chapter I'm telling you, you go. This is a daunting task. This is challenging times for you, Joshua. But don't you worry because I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you right in my arms. There's nothing that can overpower me. God encourages his people always with his presence. In uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, we read the words once again, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You remember the, uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where Jesus gets done uh, telling the people the task, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You remember how he ends that? You look at that and you go, that's a daunting task. The whole world? I've got to do this to the whole world? 
Well, what about all the, those who, that hate me out there? What about the, all those who hate you, Jesus? What does Jesus say at the end of that? Lo, I'm with you always. I'm with you. Why does he say that? Because it's a daunting task. It's such a huge challenge for Christians to go and take possession of the world, to share the gospel with all creatures. We can't do it on our own, but he says, I'm going with you. Three times here in Joshua chapter 1, he's encouraged, I am with you. I am with you. Don't you, you don't have to worry about it because I'm going with you. What, a, what an encouragement that he would give to us. First of all, the vitality of his promises. He, he's going to fulfill his promises no matter the time. He's going to give you the inheritance that has been promised. Secondly, not only that, I'm going with you in this task that I've told you to do. And if I go with you, no harm can come to you except that which I allow, it would be a good thing. And thirdly, I want you to notice he encourages uh, Joshua and the people with the vitality of God's promise, the encouragement of God's presence, and finally, uh, the unity of God's people. Um, in verses 12 through 18, you, uh, you may recall that in Numbers 32, as the people get to the edge of the uh, of the Jordan and about to, to go over into the land. Moses is still, still there with them. Well, a couple of the tribes see the land there on the east side of the Jordan, and they go, we've got all these, uh, this livestock. This is a good place for us right here. It's got plenty of food for our livestock. We can build cities here where we can protect ourselves and everything. So they go to Moses, Reuben, the tribe of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe half of Manasseh. They go to Moses and they say, Moses, you know, this is plenty for us. If we cross over the Jordan and you have to divide the land up more, it'd be less for everybody over there. This is plenty for us. Just let us stay here. Well, at first Moses, you, you see this in, in Numbers 32, at first Moses accuses them of disheartening the people because he thought they didn't want to go over the Jordan to possess the land that God had promised to them. They weren't going to go over and fight with everybody else. And so he accuses them of, of not wanting to fight, he accuses them of disheartening the people. And they say, no, 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 that's not it at all, Moses. That's not, where we're, that's not what we're thinking. Um, we will go over and fight. Um, we, we can just leave our livestock and our, and our women and our children here. But we will go over and fight and help take possession of the land. And so here at the, uh, uh, in Joshua... Chapter 1, from verses 12 to 18, Joshua is reminding uh, the tribes of Reuben and Gab and the half-tribe of Manasseh that they are to go over with the people so that the people will not be discouraged uh, as a result. And so they, they take their fighting men and they're going to be the first ones to go over as fighting men to help them take possession of the land. And they say, we won't stop fighting with you. We won't come back here until all the land is taken as God is giving it to us. Fighting men are to go over and fight first. You know, it can be discouraging when all the people of God aren't working together. And when all the people of God don't want to do the things that God is calling them to do, 
That's what Moses was afraid of in Numbers uh, 32. That's the reason that Joshua here is reminding them of their commitment and what Moses held them to at this point. You've got to... You've got to hold up your end of the bargain. You've got to hold up what you told us you were going to do. So, once again from Dr. Davis. Indifference on their part or snubbing their noses at the western tribes would have discouraged and disheartened the rest of of God's people and led them to rebellion and ultimately unbelief. One can detect implications here for the doctrine uh, and practice of the church. Unity among God's people is no idle luxury. This does not mean that we have to feel all sticky and gooey about each other, but it does mean that we must care enough that we don't want any of the Lord's children to get discouraged. It is crucial because ultimately unity is a prerequisite for fidelity. And so here we see in Joshua chapter 1 the unity of God's people and the unity of God's people to encourage one another in this most challenging time. So this morning as we look at Joshua chapter 1, as we begin to get into this book of Joshua, I I realize that no one in this room is actually going to be called to be the next president. I do realize that. You probably realize that too, and maybe you're relieved about it. I also realize that no one in here was part of those who were with Joshua who went in to take the land that God had given to them. But I want you to know that we are God's people, and the reason that the, I think that a big part of the reason that the book of Joshua is given to us is because. While they were called to go and take possession of the land, which would be their inheritance, promised to them uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and and all the rest. You know what? There's, There's a promise to us as well in Scripture. And it's a daunting task. We find it all the way back in the very first book of the Bible in the very first chapter of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1. When God creates man in his image, and what does he tell man to do? Be fruitful, multiply, go into all the earth, fill it, rule, and subdue it. This is call to the image of God to go into the world to rule it and subdue it. For God's glory is the image of God, so that God would be seen sovereign over all the earth. Go, go into all the earth, rule and subdue it. I want you to know that that command is restated in the New Testament. Restated in the New Testament in a passage that we've already alluded to. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's basically the same commandment. Now, go into all the world. What are we going into all the world to do? We're going to all the world to preach the gospel. As we go into all the world and preach the gospel, what is happening? We're ruling and subduing it. We're making it a place where God's glory shines and a place for God's glory to come and to dwell. We're called to the same task. Go into all the world. It's a daunting task. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, we're told that whoever believes in Christ 
is a child of Abraham, and therefore we are, says these words, we are heirs according to the promise. What promise? Bright and glorious future? A promise of land to dwell in. It's interesting in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, if, if you're not going to look at it now, you can at least jot it down. You can look it up where, where uh, Paul is talking about Abraham. And he says it wasn't by obedience to the law that he received the promise. And then he says something quite interesting. The promise that he would inherit. He doesn't say land. He says that he would inherit the world. Paul says Abraham's given a promise that he would inherit the world. We're told in Galatians 3 that we are we're children of Abraham if we believe in Christ and we're heirs according to the promise. The promise that we will inherit the world. <laughs> and then Jesus comes and he says, now go take possession of your inheritance. That's what we're called to do. It's a daunting task. It's challenging times for us to, to go with the gospel to everyone so that we might receive the inheritance that we're given. But God encourages us. He encourages us to go and take possession of what he has promised to us. He says, remember my promise. I'm faithful to my promises. I am going to bring it to pass. It might not necessarily be in your timing, but it is going to happen. You can be encouraged with that. You can be encouraged that when you go, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. We should be encouraged with the unity of God's people working together to go and take possession of what he's given to us as well. Well, as we start the book of Joshua and as we look at it, as we look at the people going into the land to take possession of the land that God has promised to them, let us be reminded that he's given us an inheritance too. And we too are to go and take possession of what he's given to us. Let's pray.